0: Messiah Yeshua Hashia. Lion of Judah the God of Israel Defender of Zion. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Sharesh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently, we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete's, South Bay near Riverview, and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Let us pray. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Lord, for forgiving us, for providing atonement for us. What a blessing. And so we thank you this day, and for all the things that you've given us, we want to honor you. We want to bless you. We want to rejoice in you. We want to be a faithful, loyal disciple, one who uh, represents you well, an ambassador of your kingdom, of your heart. So, Lord, as we look at the heart of Messiah each week, Father, we ask that you would open up our hearts, our minds, that the Spirit of God that resides within us would certainly know the truth, And the truth of your word and the truth of your spirit would set us free. So we give you all the praise, honor, and glory and look forward to a great day in you. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Well, it's great to be back. Um, Last week we looked at encouragement. And though I don't think we went that deep into it, Uh, as I would have liked, I believe that God is moving me to talk about something extremely important for the next few weeks, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness is something no one finds easy, and yet it is one of the most important behaviors that we need to exhibit in, in order to live successfully and to please God. So this week we're going to look at forgiveness through the Hebrew scriptures in order to lay a foundation of forgiveness as a character character trait of God and the fact that he desires for us to forgive too. As I said this is such an important issue and uh so Let's start out with the book of Genesis. In Genesis 3 3, uh, it says this But of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat of it, and you must not touch it, or you will die. So, <laughs> right here we see who God is and who man is. Though Adam and Eve were punished for their sins, for not listening to God, they did not die when they disobeyed God. God's heart was to forgive them and draw them closer to him after they separated themselves from God by sinning. Because that's what sin does. It separates us from God. And yet God, though punishing them, still uh, allowed them to live. And this is the bottom line heart of God. He wants us to live. He wants us to draw closer to him. Each biblical character sinned, and God forgave them. God takes the initiative in trying to make provision for the healing of our broken relationships, especially with him. Now, this concept might be familiar to us, but it was radically different from the portrayal of other deities that Israel's neighbors believed, right, back in in the Scripture time. Because to Israel, here is a God who is not distant, but who chooses to reveal himself. Here's a God whose people know and understand when God will be angry and when he will show mercy. So we knew about it because God gave it to us in his word. God presents himself as a covenant God of promise who will always keep the door open to relationship with man even after he allows his judgment to fall on those who don't obey him, right? Wouldn't you say that's true? God was and is intricately involved in the lives in our lives right he created us and he loves us and he cares for us and so he is in relationship with us in order for this relationship to continue there was a need to ask for forgiveness from sin basically repenting that's what the word is and be forgiven by god and and, God doesn't just show mercy or overlook wrongdoing at certain times, but he actually initiates. He's the initiator of a plan of forgiveness and salvation. Forgiveness is the foundation of God's plan of salvation. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, of course. As you are considering modeling your behavior after God, Consider what I just said. God initiates a plan of forgiveness. He doesn't wait till we are in the right place. He initiates. And I would say to you that when you're thinking about the people who you have not forgiven, remember this concept that God wants you to initiate and not wait till the person has repented or is in the right place. But initiate forgiveness. Because as we'll see later and in the coming weeks, it will set you free. Let's look at the words for forgiveness in Hebrew and see if we can receive some greater understanding. Salach is the common Hebrew word often translated as pardon. When used, God is almost always the subject. When this word is used, guilt is removed. People are released from the power of that guilt and are restored to a state of reconciliation. Salah does not only lead to spiritual blessings, but it may also have physical or material benefit, such as health or security, honor, or children. So an an example of that would be Psalm 103. In Psalm 103, verse 3, forgiveness is the first of the many benefits of God. Now, listen to what it says, starting with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless Adonai, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. You see, in this psalm, the shows that forgiveness to be an integral part of it. It's a part of redemption, reconciliation, and healing. So there is a connection, I believe, between forgiveness and healing. Keep that in mind as we continue, okay? Great. This word referring to forgive is used often in the book of Numbers and Leviticus, and and it shows the importance of forgiveness in worship, as it is obviously a component, isn't it, of the sacrificial system. It's clear that no one but God can forgive, yet the various sacrifices are, of course, our way of asking God to pour out his grace upon us the people, and now our sacrifices are sacrifices of worship and obedience, and we are still asking God to pour out his grace upon his people, aren't we? Yes. In First Kings 8, verse 30, 34, 36, 39, and 50, in King Solomon's prayer, he says, hear from heaven and forgive. Solomon recognizes that Israel has wandered away from God, and he's asking God to forgive them. He's interceding for them. In Psalm 130, verse 4 and 5, it says, If you, Adonai, keep a record of iniquities, my Lord, who could stand? For with you there is forgiveness, so you may be revered. Now, it says here, as I just read, there's forgiveness with the Lord in order for God to be revered. What does revered mean? We fear this God. That's that revered is like fearing him. Uh, we're worshiping him, we're in obedience and awe and in humble reverence that are all implied in this word, because he and he alone is the one who can forgive, and he forgives based on Himself, it's, it's, it's you know, we can ask for forgiveness, but it's, it's his grace and mercy that forgives. It is God's attribute of forgiving that marks him out as being unique and so different from people and from, of course, the false gods that are all around the world today and in biblical times. It is this understanding of forgiveness as being integral to all that God is, which led the psalmist to cry out for forgiveness of his great iniquities in this way. He said in Psalm 25, 11, for the sake of your name. So he cries out in the for the sake of God's name. Using God's forgiveness with the glory of his name is to say that for God not to forgive one who repents, would mean that God was unfaithful to his very self. So as long as we repent, God is going to forgive because he is faithful to his name. He's faithful to his very self. Notice that you might think of forgiveness as a new covenant concept, but I haven't yet gotten out of the Hebrew Scriptures, probably won't today because there's so much here. And remember, God is the same though, yesterday, today, and forever. And remember, we're developing a foundation to build upon. So help in your mind, let's build this together, right? Now, our word for atonement in Hebrew is kafar. And this is the word that uh, we get kippur from, referencing like Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement, which comes in the fall. And it um, so here we see the idea of paying a ransom price in order to be forgiven. So let's look at this Leviticus 16:21. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of Bnei Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins. He should place them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness. By the hand of a man who is in readiness, the goat will carry all their iniquities by itself into a solitary land, and he is to leave the goat in the wilderness. So here we see that the goat acted as a powerful visual aid to the people of how their sin needs to be removed. This incorporates more than just forgiveness, right? Referring instead to a complete reconciliation between two parties. And, and next week we'll talk about the difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. So in this case, it's the reason that it's reconciled, it's it's because it's between God and us. And God always wants us to be reconciled. Often, kippur will be used along with Selach showing the close bond between atonement and forgiveness. But we know that in the human and God relationship, atonement must come before forgiveness. And that sets the stage for the work of Yeshua, who made atonement so that we could be forgiven. You, are you getting this? Okay. Okay. Now, when God calls us to forgive others, he wants us to be the initiator and provide an opportunity for reconciliation to take place. Now, I'm going to jump a little ahead and just say that reconciliation can't take place except for two to agree. But forgiveness can take place just by yourself because it's a decision that you make to forgive and so you don't need agreement or somebody else repenting to you it is actually an act that you perform on your own because you've made the decision to forgive now another word used in the Hebrew scriptures um, for forgiveness is NASA and this word has a wide range of meanings and nuances in forgiveness uh, context, it seems to refer to the taking away of an offense. In many cases, it means simply to lift up. And when the object is sin, the context determines whether it is speaking about lifting up or bearing the sin. So in Exodus 34 7, it says, showing mercy, this is talking about God to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means leaving the guilty unpunished, but bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children to, to the third and fourth generation. So there is one example. Another example would be Numbers fourteen eighteen. 18. Adonai is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Still, he did not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations. Now, picture this. Just because God forgives us, it doesn't mean he won't punish us, right? Okay. Okay. But listen to what Psalm 32 5 says. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not hide my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgressions to you, Adonai, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What I find interesting in that scripture is that God has forgiven the guilt of our sin. So a lot of the things, but. Not necessarily has he, he does he say he won't uh, punish us right? So in the Hebrew Scriptures, the verbiage used for forgiveness almost always refers to what God does for us. There were many people who showed mercy, but forgiveness in the true sense of the word that comes from God. So as an example, one of the most obvious concerning human reconciliation in the Hebrew Scriptures, wouldn't you say, is that of Jacob and Esau in Genesis 33? So the phrase that is used there is to find favor in your eyes. It does seem as though Esau forgave Jacob. However, that seems more like the words of uh, Proverbs 19.11 that Esau overlooked the offense, But forgiveness vocabulary is not used here where you and I would probably expect it. There are some instances, though, where the forgiveness vocabulary is used by people. So, for instance, in Genesis 50, after Jacob died and Joseph's brothers feared that Joseph would now want revenge for what they had done to him, Genesis 50 verse 17 says this, Thus you must say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the trans, transgression of your brothers and their sin because they treated you wrongly. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. This is using the word nasat for forgive. It's interesting in Joseph's reply that he didn't say to his brothers that he forgave them, but rather acted kindly to them and said that this was God's will. Um, So in verse 19, Joseph says, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? The implication seems to be that Joseph forgives because God is the judge. However, it could also mean that since he is not God, he cannot forgive The way God forgives. Let's give that some thought. Reread that a few times and see which one you think it is. uh, It'll give you food for thought. Another example would be Exodus 10, 17, where Pharaoh says to Moses after the plague of locusts, Now forgive my sin, only this once, please. So pray to Adonai, your God, just so he would take This death away from me. Here, an outsider, right? Because Pharaoh's the outsider, using religious forgiveness language for his own purposes, though I doubt that it was for spiritual growth or true forgiveness, um, which uh, true forgiveness always produces spiritual growth, right? Let's look at another example. Saul uh both Saul and Pharaoh are confronted. Well, you know what? This is we're going to have to continue this uh next week. Uh I just want to uh go over a couple of things before we close. And and that would be this. Um the doctrine of forgiveness as it is fully developed in the new covenant can be traced back to the Hebrew Scriptures, so where it can be seen is right at the beginning. This is most obvious in the the sacrificial regulations and their fulfillment by God and Yeshua. This opens up a whole new possible relationship with God and with one another. So what I'm saying here is that the fulfillment of the sacrificial system for us to have received forgiveness, without that, there would have been no forgiveness. And in the death of Messiah, it reminds us that without Messiah, there would be no forgiveness. Forgiveness shows that it has a cost. And the concept of sacrifice implies cost. The cost was greatly increased when <laughs> Yeshua sacrificed rather than be than a perfect lamb. So when he was the substitute for the perfect lamb, obviously sacrifice increased. The 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 investment, the cost of it increased. So this more perfect sacrifice completes any ambiguity over the possibility of forgiveness for deliberate sin. So next week we'll finish up the Hebrew scriptures uh, on forgiveness, and then we'll go forward into the new covenant and we'll look there as to how God uh, treats forgiveness there. Now, remember, if you would like to, give a gift to our radio program to help us stay on the air, call Karen at 813-831-5673. If you have questions or anything we can help you with, just call that number and, and I'll get back to you, okay? Wonderful. May the power of God's Word and His Spirit saturate you this day as you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Let's pray. Zion of Judah, the God of Israel. Oh, Jesus! The Lord!